Hello, I'm Rachel Lyman, and we want to welcome you to Interfaith Connection, a Spiritual Life Center monthly podcast dedicated to the interfaith exploration of faith traditions that promote love. Our study will allow us to build bridges of understanding, acceptance, love, and peace. My partner in so many ways on this journey is Rev. Dave Lyman, Senior Minister for the Interfaith Explorers. He's an ordained interfaith minister and my beloved husband. This year, we will be on a grand adventure of exploring interfaith, and we're so excited that you have joined us. So buckle up and get ready for our 2021 adventure with today's podcast. So Rabbi Nancy, you were ordained in 1990 by the Hebrew Union College Jewish Institute of Religion. And after your ordination, uh, you said you were called to Temple Kol Ami in Ontario, Canada, and you were the first rabbi there, and you provided the foundation for that particular congregation. And from 2003 to the present day, you have been the cantorial soloist and the rabbi at Congregation Beth Shalom in Carmichael, California. And you've been very active there, establishing all kinds of wonderful programs, a monthly Rosh Kodosh program for women, Musar, a spiritual ethics learning for adults, family education, and Shabbat with a beat. And over the years, Rabbi Nancy, you've fostered interfaith programs such as the Interfaith Freedom Seder, Interfaith Thanksgiving Gatherings, and Interfaith Teen Programs. Through ACT, which is the Area Congregations Together, you rallied your community to extend the age of maturity for emancipating foster youth. You're also a member of Salam Shalom, which is a monthly program of Jewish and Muslim women and who also get together to discuss issues and do do interfaith clergy work for social justice as well. And in 2015, on top of everything else you were doing, you studied and finished and received your Doctorate of Divinity degree. You're also a student of mysticism, the Kabbalah, art, and you study cello and yoga. Wow. So you're a published author as well in a number of publications. And you were the past president of the Rabbis Association of Sacramento. So Rabbi Nancy Weschler, I'm sorry, I forgot to say your full name at the beginning. Hello. You are a very active interfaith leader, and we welcome you so much today and appreciate your time and during this podcast with us. Thank you. I'm delighted to be here. So as you just take a look at your training as a rabbi, and you've been a rabbi for 31 years. Wow, that's wonderful. I, think I don't know. Fell off your chair there. That's okay. I know. I so, know. Um, when you when you were studying to be a rabbi, what I would, did you have any thoughts at that time? Uh, like, what would it be like to be ordained? And and now that you've been a rabbi for for that long a time, what are some of the things that surprised you the most, and and some of the biggest challenges you've had? Oh, my. So 
Let's begin with a couple of things. Um, I was blessed by God and I think on my mom's side with, um, with, with the ability to sing and to love music. So I first thought that I was going to be a cantor and I studied and I entered the School of Sacred Music in New York City. I realized, however, that um, I just didn't want to worry about whether I hit that high F and G. <laughs> I just didn't want to live with that anxiety over my head. And I also realized that um, it was kind of, let me go back a little bit. We had a class called the professional cantorate and a man, the man came in and he said, good news. You'll always be second. Oh, wow. <laughs> good news. When there's political problems, you'll, they'll always go for the rabbi, the cantor, you'll always be second. And I thought to myself, huh, I'm going to go to graduate school for at least five more years, always to be a subordinate. And I need to worry about those high Fs and Gs. And I really want to study text. And I really want to be a, a pastor. And I really want to be an innovator of programs. And I'm really interested in the message within um, all faiths. I think that this is not going to work. So I made a decision after a year of studying in uh, to be a cantor that I it would be a better path for me to become a rabbi. So I switched gears and had more years of education um, and, and uh, fulfilled it that way. So I want to say that. And the other thing I want to say about the doctorate of divinity, if you survive 25 years um, as a as a rabbi, you are given the doctorate of divinity. So I want to say that. Okay. So okay. what has surprised me about being a spiritual leader? Well, first of all, it's not a job. It is a way of life. Mm -hmm. And I, of course, I like it so much when people like what I do or like the music that I provide or like the article or the sermon or how I conducted a, a ceremony. But um, it's really a way of life and I work for God. And there's a Psalm, uh, Psalm 16, verse eight. In Hebrew, it says, Shiviti Adonai Lenegdi, I place God before me always. So when I, I learned, um, I guess over the years, I have learned that it is, it is not so much a job that I do or profession. It is my way of life. Mm -hmm. And I place God before me always, whether I'm in the grocery store, uh, swimming laps in the pool, <laughs> interacting with someone at the synagogue or in a meeting, I you place God, I place God before me always, and that really keeps me on track. And it helps weather all kinds of things that can come up in nonprofit congregational life. 
when you place your ego to the side and know that you're, yeah, I work, I, I serve God. Um, I, I, um, so you serve God and, and you, and, and some of the biggest challenges. Okay. So, so let's, so let's get to that. Some of the biggest challenges have been, um, the balance. I, I'm the mother of four children. Um, one of them is 28, one is 23, one is 21, and one is 19. And they're all doing beautifully. Uh, at one point, they were small. <laughs> and so it was a balancing act. Mm -hmm. And uh, learning how, because I wanted to, I served a, a small congregation on purpose, so that I would have, uh, be more accessible to the most beautiful thing in the world, which was raising my children. So I guess the challenge has been, you know, that balancing act, how to be of service, but really take care of my, my personal flock. Um, some challenges have been more recently learning uh, how to be more skilled with technology. That's been a challenge. Um, and, uh, just rolling with things. For most of us during yeah. the pandemic, um, Dave and I too have learned to do Zooming and podcasts and things that weren't uh, on our radar. At the Let me tell you one more thing that's been a surprise and that I've really grown to have a humble heart around that. And that is you can have the best ideas, the absolute best program, but you've got to have relationships with people and you have to uh, recruit. Um, you, it, it's about collaboration. It's about relationship. It's, that's really the essence of my longevity as a rabbi. I was going to say uh, I, that that's probably the biggest challenge is relationships. <laughs> no matter what your life is like. Um, so do, uh, it sounds wonderful. And so what part of being a rabbi feeds you the most? And what do you love the most? I mean, what are hmm, you get, get up every morning and go, oh, I love this. I love what I'm doing. Well, I, I love collaboration. Collaboration is, is so much fun. I had a meeting today with the pastor at the Lutheran, from the Lutheran church. And, uh, we are collaborating on ways that we can think of to help those who don't, who are homeless, right? The unhoused, right? It's the energy of collaboration that gives me a great deal of joy. Um, I am curious, so curiosity <laughs> feeds me, and I, I do love to swim, and I do yoga, and I bake bread every week and I enjoy painting and playing my cello and I, I have very dear friends. Um, so all those things just feed me. Mm -hmm. And it sounds like you're pretty balanced too, because you have the creative endeavors as well as the spiritual uh, going on. So this has been a hard time for everybody and the congregation Beth Shalom is is certainly part of that too. So during the pandemic, um, 
I, you know, most most uh, congregations haven't been able to meet. So what is the status of, of your congregation now? And have you been doing virtual services or is there anything in person you're doing now? So let's go back to when it first started, right? That big shock, that, that huge shock for, for us, it was in March, um, two years ago, right? Yeah, really. Since then, we help. We've helped members become more comfortable with Zoom and Zoom services. We've called our members. I've encouraged our board to call members. We've kept our social action programming on Zoom. We have a monthly social justice Sabbath program. Um, We donate food. We've partnered with other congregations for. Shabbat and larger community learning. Uh, We've collaborated on concerts. You know, we're starting to have hybrid services. During COVID, innovation was the name of the game. For example, we have a holiday called Sukkot, where we generally build a hut and we have services and programs. But during COVID, we had a drive-through sukkah which is something looked like a car wash and people <laughs> drive through and receive their prayer and shake the symbolic mm-hmm. um, lulav, which is made up of a palm branch and myrtle and willow. And um, people donated food at that time. And then the holiday after that is called Simchat Torah, rejoicing in the Torah in our in the five books of Moses. And our tradition is to march around our sanctuary seven times. Very important. But we couldn't do that. So I dressed up my car as a Torah mobile. And I drove to seven locations, um, all orchestrated where members of the congregation live. And so I would meet them there, give a little teaching, and we would march, you know, around my car or, or around the field and get back in the car. And then I would drive to the next place. So we just had to make things up. But the making of things up was actually joyful. Mm-hmm. I was gonna, That was my next question. What are some of the unexpected, positive and wonderful things that have come out of this? You know, we have a, a wonderful tech guy. Um, his name is Rick Snyder. And so our services, he's created these beautiful slides to go along with the prayers. And the services on Zoom are really lovely. And as we start to move back into in-person, which is coming, um, I'm hoping we can hold on to some of that creativity that, we, um, that was generated. And I was just thinking for people who are... Um, uh, Mobile, mobile challenge too. Some of the innovative things you've done probably would be helpful. Um, and that probably goes for most congregations too that had to come up with like drive by, you know. What, what I think is interesting, and I think that this goes across the board, um, is that we have folks that dr- join our services and our studies from all, from all over the country and, and, um, we have one lovely woman from Mexico, and I'm sure that that's the same and for you, for your community as well. So as we start to move back to being in person, there is some tension. How do we keep that expansive net open as we kind of come back to what it used to look like? That is indeed going to be a challenge. Well, I, I think that it's probably going to be the norm to, to be able to do both 
to have in-house uh, people come and also do virtual to reach out to those people because right now our, our community, Spiritual Life Center and our uh, live streaming, we have people all over the world who are listening to our services and um, uh, Reverend James does uh, honor them. Oh, we have people from <laughs> some right. country, wherever. So I think that's going to be the norm. I think it's going to be because pandemic has forced us to do that. Um, I think it's been a blessing. I do too. Yeah, I so. do too. It it began as, and it's still horrible. I mean, we we still know that there are people that are s still sick and get are getting ill from different variants or, mm -hmm. for whatever reason, unvaccinated. And I, um, boy, it the the way that we technology has aided us is indeed a blessing. Well, today is the last day to order food. <laughs> For your Jewish forty fourth annual Jewish food fair, I had to plug that. I did. I have sent out your flyers and so forth. But people after they well, they won't. They, they'll hear this after the fact, unfortunately. But that's why I sent the flyer out uh, earlier. Um, so um, I I better get on. I better do that when I get off the the podcast here and run and order my food. <laughs> or as we, or you know, as we had discussed earlier, you'll just be early for next year. I could be. <laughs> so, I, in relation to your food fair, and I mean, you might have had to do that uh, last year as well because of pandemic. Has that enhanced or um, in any way diminished your annual fundraiser? Well, it is our largest fundraiser, that's for sure. But it was also a fundraiser like just fun because we we had local artisans come and sell their wares and um it was truly fun to be there and to eat together and that could not happen however we may do as we all must right people order ahead of time put in their order they were given their times when they would drive by and they would get their grocery what they had purchased and like all years, the whole congregation, we jump in. We are baking up a storm. And uh, people bake in their homes. People bake at the synagogue. Um, I've learned how to do some cabbage rolls I never knew how to do before. Honey cakes, streusel cakes. We all just bake. And it goes in, and then we all show up, and we, we, uh, we help. I would say that we sure look forward to the time where we can um, enjoy just talking with one another. It's such a lovely opportunity, but you know, we're still doing it right. and it's yeah. going well. So if people miss the deadline to order food, can they still make a donation? And if so, can you give me the, uh, on, on this podcast, give me the website that they can go to to make a donation? To the synagogue? Sure. Sure. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? <laughs> yeah. So um, it's Congregation Beth Shalom is the name of the synagogue. Mm -hmm. So it's CB, C, the letter C, the letter B, the word shalom, dot org. Dot org. Yeah. Okay. I had that down, but I just wanted to make sure that was sure. right. So, so wow. 
And I, I'm just reading your bio and, and going through that. And of course, we're heavily involved in interfaith. And you have done a lot of interfaith programs um, at Congregation Best Shalom and with other congregations. Do you, would you like care to expand and talk a little bit about the interfaith Freedom Seder meal you had in 2017? Now, I, I want to just say something before you do. Is uh, that year, um, Dave and I were traveling the first part of the year, and the second part, he was ill. He, he had some uh, major surgery, and so uh, we, I, we totally missed <laughs> missed that. If we had known about it, we would have been there, you know. So, um, so, and and also, um, and your Thanksgiving gatherings and your teen programs. I want to know more a little bit more about that. And will they? Do you hope to continue these particular programs once the pandemic opens up and people can uh, be together? Of course, and what a nice question. Uh, first of all, the, the Freedom Seder has gone on for a number of years, and we hope to, of course, come back together. Um, I guess my feeling is, is that there is a message with the capital M message that we can find in all faiths, all faiths, all religions that um, that's there and valuable. I consider that like a a global spirituality. And once, of course, I am deeply committed to the, 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 the religion, the cloak of Judaism, and I respect the cloak of Christianity in its various forms and the cloak of Muslim, um, Islam and the cloak of Sikhs and the cloak of, of Buddhists. I love the, the outfits of our religion, but underneath, the message permeates, and that is just the truth. And I am a seeker, and I love that. And I, I just, and I find it every time I, even in this conversation as well. There is a genuine truth that we know exists between us, that exists in our faiths and between one another. And I. I love that and I'm committed to that. So in years past, my 10th graders, my confirmation class, we will meet and talk about what is what are the essential values of Judaism? We'll talk about that. And then we'll go to um, Salam and meet with teens and get a, a, and talk with them about what their values are. And then we'll look at that and then we'll, you know, we we study about Buddhism and then what, what do we think or what do we, what do we discover about those values? And then we go visit and then we, we talk and ideally we love it the best when our teens can meet the teens of these other places. But I, it's just the way it, it's got to be. It doesn't diminish or take away on any level to do interfaith work. It only makes us stronger when the essence is what is the message what is the message of truth that's in all of within all of our religions you know it doesn't matter what we call god or no god or what it's all good you know there is a goodness a message with a capital m that i just believe and so we have had interfaith teen passover seders 
we have had um you know these programs uh, where i i love to get the the board of different congregations together of different religions and and have them meet and talk i just love that i think that we we have such similar things that go on in our communities and um there's really very little that divides us and we're so much more powerful when we are together so i you know i i love that and uh, it's yeah it is a, a vibrant spirit within me well thank you for that because i've spent the last 14 years of my life <laughs> believing in exactly what you just said <laughs> um i remember um when uh reverend larry shelnick was still with spiritual life center he gave a sermon and he had a wagon wheel diagram up on the on the stage and you know all of the there's the little the wheel on the outside and all the spokes go down to a smaller wheel in the center and there you go all the center everything in the center there all the faith traditions were on the outside whether they celebrate out in nature or stone circles or synagogues or churches or gurdwaras the center is all the core was always the same of love right. service and and so when we tap into that when we tap into that there is so much that we can do well that's what we're trying to do is to build what they what we call building bridges because and there are people that are fearful of something they don't know and that's why we want to talk to people. That, that's why these podcasts have been really important, because we have the real people <laughs> living the faith, talking normally just like you would over a cup of coffee or tea. Oh, you can't do that. But anyway, um, yeah, so uh, so people realize we're all pretty much the same, and uh, faith traditions are that promote love are always uh, saying the same thing. So right. it's wonderful. Right, right. So I, I was um, uh, kind of interested in, in uh, some of the programs that you're doing over there. Um, what is your ch Chodash program? For oh, so what uh, are the things do you do? And, and so, are you, are so, you virtual or are you in person? Well, no. Um, so Judaism is um uses the lunar the 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 moon for its months it's not solar it's lunar right so when there is a new moon like the tiny crescent crescent the tiny skinny one that is our new moon and the new moon has traditionally been linked to a celebration for women Oh, okay. Yeah. And, um, and that comes from a parable uh, when uh, Aaron was dealing with a, a rowdy crowd when Moses was delayed in coming down from Mount Sinai. And they wanted to build a golden calf. And Aaron, who was Moses' brother, said, Everybody get their jewelry. Everybody get their rings. 
get their earrings. And according to the, the parable, in Hebrew, a word for parable is midrash. According to the midrash, um, the women said, no, we will not create a golden calf. We will not. They refused. So because of their refusal to participate in idolatry, uh, they were rewarded the, the, the holiday of a new of the new moon every okay. yeah and every moon has a message every month has a message so um over the years we have women have gathered and sometimes that practice has waned um but i'm very interested in resurrecting it and this year um just about every new moon uh falls on a thursday which is great because um, that gives us the opportunity of baking challah. Challah is um, the braided egg bread that we eat on Friday. And you saw me doing it when we were practicing before. So that's, that's the, the idea is that the first, the new moon, we're calling it, uh, I, get, I welcome people to come. I teach them something about the new moon. I teach them how to braid the bread in the way that we're to do it. And then um, they've got the special bread, Sabbath bread, ready to go. So where do the messages for the new moon come from? Are they in your scriptures? Ah, you know, it's very old. It's ancient stuff. Like, um, for example, we just entered the moon of Cheshvan which is often linked um, as in astrology to Scorpio, I suppose. But um, I think that it goes back Babylonian times. It's very ancient. Um, but each month has, has a particular message and meaning and essence. For example, the month that we're in right now, Cheshvan, C-H-E-S-H-V-A-N, is considered Mar Cheshvan, the bitterness of Cheshvan, because it doesn't have a whole bunch of Jewish holidays in it. You know, the month before, we were packed, yeah. packed with all those holidays. So this one doesn't have it, so it's called the bitterness of Cheshvan. I would like to tell you that as a rabbi, it's not so bitter. It's just fine. I'm I'm good. It's good. It's a great month. I love it. Yeah, that's fascinating. And um, in your uh, bio also, uh, there's mention of a Shabbat with a beat. That really fascinates me. So and I the third, you play guitar, and of course you. So we, you know, uh, we're so blessed. How about? We, it's really fun if you want to zoom on tomorrow night. It's Shabbat with a beat, the okay. third Friday night of the month. Uh, it's 7 p.m. This is the first time we're going live um, with uh, that. It's contemporary music. It's contemporary Jewish music. And we have some great musicians who um, have wonderful songs, popular songs that they like to bring in. So it's like a concert then? Yes. Yes. And certainly lifts the spirit. It's great. Well, I'm going to listen in. <laughs> That's we love music because Dave plays in the band, so and he plays guitar also. Ah, 
So you play guitar now. Do you play guitar for any of your programs? Are you do you play guitar during the Shabbat with a beat or I sure. mean, they're like a little it's bit. it's a big it's a you know I, I yes I play all the time I play all the time okay. and I you know I do the lead music with the children and uh, but I you know yes that's a it's a very joyful service and I and sometimes we're lucky enough to have kids join the band too so we're waiting to I I have in mind a particular young man who's a piano player. I can see him joining the band before too long. Good. Well, music, that's one of the food. There's feud, feud, food and music are two things that really bring people together. That's for sure. I would say that social justice does as well. Oh, absolutely. Once a month we have a service, uh, devoted to social justice and we bring in uh speakers and we've been doing this through covid and before so we have for example tomorrow we have a speaker from loaves and fishes john smith coming okay. to talk and we have people from opening doors um we have speakers on climate change homelessness racial justice um lgbtq we have we focus on uh something that is very relevant that's going on and then we often have a an action that we do along with it mm -hmm. and this social justice theme that is every month is connected to the same social justice theme of our religious school so our kids and the adults are getting the same message each month on a, a particular theme and then often have a, an action that they do that goes along with it. Now, do you do you, if people from, you know, not not your synagogue listen and want to participate? Is that do you? Of course, of course, anyone of course. participate like in a group. Um, yeah, and then we have you know opportunity for questions. Um, I can't wait till we can safely come back together. But it it has been we have just kept going with that every month. Um, That's a amazing. Speaker from somewhere, and then an action project. Um, I'm glad you're I'm glad we're putting this podcast out because I had no idea how much we were doing over there. And I, it's it's we Dave and I try to keep a positive. Uh, slant on everything we do because there's plenty of negative negativity out there so um, uh, you know building bridges is a positive thing so this is where and we're always looking for to honor people who are doing positive things in the community and you certainly are with your congregation as well before uh, we we uh, get to some of the uh, questions at the end there I wanted to ask you about uh, and if you don't mind about musar uh, sure. it's a spiritual um teachings uh for adults and i understand because your your synagogue is a reformed judaism right and there's I, no ed on it just reform reform mm -hmm. uh, reform oh okay um and i understand the orthodox jewish people would not be doing the musar not true oh really mm -mm. oh because i read somewhere where they they kind of stick to the 
Torah and, you know, don't No, no, no. So let me explain what it is, okay? Lissar is a spiritual practice. And um, so what it is, is there was a Rabbi Israel Salanter um, centuries ago who really brought it through. And currently there's a Alan Marinus in the United States who brought it to the contemporary consciousness. But what it is, is that we focus on um, a, a soul trait, which is called a midah. We, we focus on a spe specific soul trait every two weeks. So my group was working for two weeks on the trait of equanimity with the idea of that we should learn to um, surf, <laughs> you know, go with the flow, not get too thrown off when the unexpected happens. And then we have lots of material that we look at and a practice that goes with that and a morning affirmation and journaling in the evening. Um, and then after two weeks, we flip to another soul trait. So this Sunday, we're flipping to a uh, uh, soul trait of patience. And for two weeks, we um, the first the first session is with me and I we we discuss it and I have material and then the second week they meet with a study partner and then they study that material as well and so that that is called musar it's a it's a way of working on of of reflection awareness and transformation it's a very practical uh path of spirituality and we regularly have people that are not Jewish who find it really, it speaks to them. So people, non-Jewish people can participate? Yes, yes. Um, and they do. And they uh, do. And, and, well, the Unity Church Spiritual Life Center is always having workshops and speakers and so forth. And that's, this is pretty much what we're doing, too, is what you're doing is is developing our, our a deepening of our spirituality and our connection with spirit, with God. So, so what in, in this uh, podcast, what would you want to make sure that we discuss before this podcast is over? Well, or do you have a message or I want to talk a little bit about what gives me hope. All right. And um, one of the things that gives me hope um, in my community are the role that our younger children play. For example, one of the most important roles in the synagogue life, it sounds small, but it's a big deal, is sounding the ram's horn, which we call the shofar, um, at the beginning of our Jewish New Year. It is essential to have somebody who can blow the ram's horn. It's and it's not easy. And in our congregation, we have two young people. They're young teenagers, and they are the ones who do that for our congregation. So that makes me um, overjoyed. Um, it gives me hope that when our kids turn 13 and have their bar or bat mitzvah, they all do a social justice program. Uh, uh, um, it's called a mitzvah project. They all do a social justice project that they have to create and carry through. Oh. Um, Is that specific just to your synagogue? No, but I'm just, it's something that I, I'm very happy about. I feel hope 
um, about progressive Judaism in Israel. There used to be only one kind of Judaism practiced in Israel that was orthodoxy. And if somebody was not orthodox, then they identified as secular, zippo on religion. There are now reform con many reform congregations in Israel and Israeli-born reform rabbis. Um, what gives me hope is um, I am an unapologetic progressive. And I am hopeful that having our current president will help us mend some of the tragic mistakes and help us find our balance. Um, I, that gives me hope. <laughs> and um, I, I'm feeling more hope that more people are getting vaccinated and that there's gonna be a cessation to this tragic COVID um, plague. And I feel very personally, I have great hope that, um, because my own children are doing well. <laughs> so they're all doing really well. So I'm really grateful about that. Um, I feel hope because um, I'm finding people, at least in my community, are interested in serious study. That gives me hope. I, ha I'm, I feel hopeful in interfaith connection. My dear friend, John Fish, mm -hmm. who is um, a leader in the Mormon church, says that God has one house with many doors. Mm -hmm. And so I keep that also right before me, uh, that I love so much that we are learning from one another and uh, without having to dominate or convince another that one door is better than the other. I love that we are recognizing that religion and culture are the sacred garb of our universal spirituality. That gives me hope. Um, the word for a blessing in Judaism is bracha, bracha. Um, and, and Abraham is told by God that if he follows the course, uh, that he will be a blessing. He, that's our job is to be a blessing. And I... I want to say just a word about that word bracha. In Hebrew, it comes from the same word as knees, your knees. And it also comes from the same root as the word for swimming pool. <laughs> so I like to think of us doing this conversation, you and I, that we can continue to have flexibility in our hearts mm -hmm. and in our knees <laughs> so that we can find clear and clean waters to drink from, and to be nourished from and that you know we will be nourished i am nourished by this conversation and i really hope that those who are able to tune in can hear the joy and the love and the respect that we have and that is the blessing absolutely and i, I what a beautiful statement i'm chokes me up <laughs> Because I know sometimes we wonder uh, if what we're doing is—is is anybody out there? <laughs> you know, but we know that we have—we have to do this. This is—it's like you, you know, you—you're going to be a rabbi, and I'm going to be working with interfaith. So, right, right, something in your DNA and um, in your spirit. And um, uh, what a beautiful statement! I, I was. Thank you so much, Rabbi Nancy, for 
being with us on this podcast, um, for taking your t- precious time. And I learned so much Pleasure. from Congregation Beth Shalom. In fact, I'm hoping that our teenagers, I, I don't know how many we have at Spiritual Life Center right now because they grow up and go away. You know? I know. They do um, that, don't they? And, uh, I certainly encourage them to reach out to your teens also. Yeah, so I close. We can throw a stone. We're so close. You know? you know what's really fun to do, and I believe in it so much, is interfaith teen social justice work. There we go. So let's work on that too. And and usually the teens are, are, we have some extraordinary teens also, and they're very, very um, true to what they're doing. They're very, uh, you know, it's important to them. It's not just a fluke, you know, they're out there. Um, and they have, you know, they over the years they have, when the 9-11 came, they, the teens from Spiritual Life Center went with Faith Moran to the Salam Center mm-hmm. uh, and, and brought a globe with a Band-Aid on it. Right. So, yeah. So that type of thing has to continue on. And, and that's what you and I are both here for, too. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not running a church, but sort of from the <laughs> my own. Dave and I are doing our well, own. Well, you are. You're doing such wonderful work for your community and for all of us when you bring us together. So keep on, keep yeah. on. Yeah. And, and we've already committed to next year's podcasts. <laughs> I'm not sure what they'll be like, but, but maybe to get some teens on here too, you know, talk to them. Oh, that's a great idea. Yeah. You just gave me a wonderful idea. So, so thank you again. We appreciate My pleasure. I'm, uh, for sharing your beautiful faith, your all of the wonderful things you're doing at Beth Shalom, and your your very unique and special journey, uh, we really appreciate it. So next month, stay tuned, everyone, for I uh, will be interviewing another woman interfaith leader, this time from the Sikh tradition. And until then, all who are listening, please keep building those bridges of peace understanding, and thank you so much. Namaste. Namaste. Thank you for joining us today to experience and explore a deeper understanding of our interfaith look at the world. Our next podcast will be available the last Friday of the month, but we want to hear from you. So send us your comments, questions, and suggestions to interfaith at slcworld.org. That's interfaith at slcworld.org. Because we want to know about your interfaith art. So let us all remember as we go on our different paths that Gandhi said, a peaceful exploration of all faiths is our sacred duty.